This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. listening to the Dharma Ocean podcast. In this episode, we listen to a talk Reggie offered at the close of a residential retreat intensive. He says that in the Vajrayana, we close retreats with a final banquet. It is a practice of making offerings to the ancestors, inviting the unseen world, and letting go into the dark mysterious of the Soma. This talk was given at the 2016 The Body Loves Retreat, held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about the upcoming The Body Loves Retreat, led by Caroline Fole, please visit dharmaocean.org. So, um, a little bit bittersweet today. You know, it's our last day together. And of course, none of us, we we don't know, you know, if we're going to be able to do this again. And um, we were talking on the way over this morning how, how things are in the world, you know, how really terrible things are for most people. Terrible. You know, there was a time on this planet a long time ago and probably before agriculture, when life was very, very difficult. But we know from uh, anthropology and archaeology that there was a kind of harmony and a kind of balance that went on for... You know, we, uh, we trace ourselves, our immediate lineage, back a couple of hundred thousand years, but our deep ancestors are over a million years. And we know from the primates how much of a social life they have, and even a ritual life among some of them. So, the balance and the harmony of the planet went on for a long, long time. And because of our success, frankly, you know, as a species, we're in a different place now. And there's unbelievable, as you know, disruption and confusion and chaos and suffering everywhere. And we were just saying this morning, in our culture, it's also very, very true. And there's no place to go. There's no real solace. And everybody's looking for an oasis, you know, just so they can rest and they can let go and they can touch something deeper. And we were just saying, our little thing here is an oasis. Because we were talking about what's going to happen to you, you know, when you go back and you enter back into a world that is a very difficult place to be right now. When you have been to the oasis of the natural state, you know it's there. And even the memory will keep you alive for a long time. I meet people who met Trump Rinpoche 40 years ago and they ran away. A lot of people ran away 
and uh, they had very good reasons for running away. But even meeting him and being exposed to this lineage kept them alive all these years. And they never gave up hope in their hearts. So even if you leave here and we never see you again and you never do one single practice, it is so worth it because something, there's something in you now that knows there is a place. And it's an oasis. It's a place to rest and calm. And it's in yourself. So I wanted to just say something more about the primordial, mysterious banquet later today. <laughs> you know, I was saying we're doing it Vajrayana style, but there's a little bit actually I didn't say, and I should. I realized from the darkness practice the other night and what we did yesterday, something's happened here and uh, it's unusual, and very unusual actually. In fact, it's uh, unique. In, in a program that is open to everybody and you know, not a, just people who've been around for a while. And so I think we should really take kind of Vajrayana attitude toward our banquet. And there are a couple of things here. First of all, I'll tell you a story. Some of you may know His Holiness, the 16th Karmapa. You may have heard of him. Have you heard of him? Would you get the picture from the teacher's room and bring it in? He, um, he died of cancer in, uh, does anyone know, was it 1981? Does that sound right? Something like that. And a very good friend of mine was the attending physician. He died in Zion, Illinois, in a cancer hospital. He, was, he came over from Rumtek, you know, his monastery that he had built in Sikkim when he, after he left Tibet. You can read about him, anything you read about him, you can't believe it. I mean, if you could read Blazing Splendor, which I think is the life of Tuka Ujjan, he, he has a lot of stories about the Karmapa. Uh, you can read my book, uh, Secret of the Vajra World, the last chapter on his death. And there are other things, and you can't believe it, it's unbelievable. But the thing is, it was true. It was true. This person was probably, we talk about we're each a unique event in the universe, and he was really unique. He was even more unique than the rest of us. <laughs> but anyway, so they went through this whole journey, which again you can read about in Secret of the Vajra World, and he died. And Mitchell Levy, who's, you know, this friend of mine, who's a doctor, he, um, yeah, I just want to show you a picture of him. This is him, and hopefully you can see something of the um, unbelievable physical majesty of this individual. Amazing person. Thank you. Maybe we could just put it in here so he can be part of our feast. We'll figure out a place. Do you want to hang on to it for now, and then we'll figure out... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, that's good. Teacher's chair, wonderful. Anyway, so he, he died, and in Western medicine, the way it goes with doctors is 
the patient dies and you leave, you're out of there. You're on the next, you're out of the hospital because your job is over. And so that was what Mitchell was going to do. He died and they were going to leave His Holiness, I think, in the hospital for three days, which is kind of tradition. And uh, Trungpa Mashiach said, don't leave. Don't leave. You think it's over, but it's not over. And you need to complete the situation. Basically, as an act of gratitude to His Holiness, but also to receive the blessings. If you walk out, the minute you, what you think you're supposed to do, if you just walk out, and you're not there, and give it time, you know, don't run back to your ordinary life, because he had a lot going on. You know, he was a doctor, and he had patients, and I gotta get home right now. And she said, no, don't do it, hang out. So Mitchell stayed uh, for three days, I believe, and he said it was incredibly important. In a way, it was the most important time of his whole relationship with His Holiness. And in a similar way, in the Vajrayana, what happens in the Gana Chakra, or the final feast, is that we are able to let go of everything that we have been working so hard on, and all of the conditioned attitudes we have toward each other. And most importantly, the whole point of the final banquet is to thank the lineage for what they have given us. Because without that thank you, it's just a narcissistic thing. We just like, we finish up and we all feel we got what we came for and I can, I'm out of here, I gotta go home and see my family. If we take that attitude, it's just narcissism at that point. There's no sense of giving back. There's no sense of saying thank you. So in the Vajrayana, the final banquet, and I don't know how you feel about this attitude, but the final banquet really is for them. Strangely enough, it's not for us. I mean, it is for us, but as our primordial selves, which is actually them. You see what I'm getting at? I mean, you think your primordial self is your primordial self. Your primordial self is them, and they are you. So in this banquet, we have an opportunity to complete the program and to invite in the blessings. And the blessings actually are here, but we need to gather them. And the feast is a time to thank whoever. And we're not going to like sit around and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. But at the beginning, we're going to dedicate the banquet to inviting the unseen world to be present among us. Am I getting too far out or is this okay? (laughs) (laughs) And a very important part of that practice in Crestone has been, you know, this is our 11th year, it's hard to imagine, but over the whole time, a very important part of that is inviting in the ancestors, which are really the Native American people who have lived in this valley and lived here probably for 12,000 years and more. We found arrowheads on the land that go back a long, long way. And those people are not gone, as many of you in this program have reported. There really is a sense of their presence, and sometimes they actually show up. 
you know, if you're very sensitive, uh, they show up in dreams and even your sitting practice as a feeling or even an image or a vision, they're very much here. And they are, you know, the, the indigenous shrine becomes a portal for them to be here. In other words, we have the indigenous shrine and we have Bear Mother, and these shrines are rooted all the way back to the beginning of human life. The Australian Aboriginal painting, it's you know, above the shrine, and then North and South America, represented there in Africa, and then more closely, the Bear Mother. And, you know, so those, even though in this program we're not talking about it very much, they are very, very, very much here. And we could do a lot of practice for them and for their suffering, and then they become protectors, just the way Caroline was talking, that reciprocity of ourselves and our prisoners. Initially, we meet them and we're open to them. We receive them, we work with them. And then lo and behold, later on, it's not going to happen right away, but later on we find actually they're helping us in a lot of ways. So, you know, I want you to take a very big and primordial and mysterious view of the banquet and to realize how very important it is to be here for us to be here and to do it together. So we're going to do some practice now, and we're going to work with ultimate bodhicitta, and then we're going to work with the transition from ultimate bodhicitta to relative bodhicitta. And, you know, once again, as Caroline and I have both been saying, that relative bodhicitta, and relative bodhicitta, really, we're talking about practice now, all these practices that we are using to develop our sense of the bodhicitta body, as the um, container for us to love other people, all of those practices, they need to be rooted in the ultimate. And rooted doesn't just mean you do the ultimate first and then you do the relative. It means that over time we develop a strong connection with our basic fundamental human openness that is outside of any kind of structure or technique or practice, any kind of uh, conditionality. And that becomes our felt sense of who we are. And when we do relative practice, even though we're very engaged with other people, we're very bound up with the suffering in the world, over time we never lose connection with that basic open okayness in our state of being. And that's very, very important in the practice of bodhicitta in the lineage. Because without that, the relative practices turn into more, just more techniques, more practices, more whatever. Sometimes, uh, you know, people, you know, will take the teachings of this lineage and they will, it's the shopping cart approach, Rimshe called spiritual shopping. I mentioned this the other day. You know, we're going to put out a Sounds True program. In fact, after this program, um, I'm going back to Boulder and we're going to record a major program that has all of the practices. Here we, we've done the most important ones, but there are other ones. And it's going to be out there, you know, for the public. And I'm going to talk a lot about ultimate and relative bodhicitta and how important the grounding is in non-ego. It's going to be a very important part of the program. But 
they're going to be obviously going to be a lot of people who come in with a shopping cart looking picking through what i've done and taking out what they can use for their own thing and i know it's going to happen and it's not that it's not worthwhile you know these practices can be taken out and they can be used like you know just like you maybe you have this potpourri or a therapist and you have this potpourri of practices you picked up from everywhere to help your patients and you, and you take some of the things that we're teaching here and you just use them you know you take the ones you like and just use them for your own therapy your own uh, therapeutic work i'm not saying it's not valuable and i think these practices are so powerful that they can be helpful but what i would say and what i intend to say on this program is if you want to be the best therapist in the world you should actually take seriously the importance of the ultimate ground if you want to be the best therapist in the world you need to learn you need to make the journey into the primordial mysterious self into the territory of non-ego and in your therapeutic work you need to be coming from that space with your patients and you will have so much more impact on them and their life if you're willing to do it i mean that's my message you know it's going to be my my message in the program i mean you can take this and that and the other you know and i think it's les misérables the one of the guys is talking about how he makes sausages a little of this and a little of that and you know, we put it all together i mean you can do that if you want to and these you know these are going to be good ingredients in your sausage but you're not taking advantage of actually the real power of what we're doing here you know you're you're just uh, you're skimming off you're skimming off the cream so my invitation in this program is going to be make the journey here the voice of the lineage that if you want to really love people and you want to be an impact on their life that will change everything for them not just help them through a crisis but change their fundamental thing make the journey you know i invite you to make the full journey and to go through these practices ultimate and relative and absorb it yourself and then do your therapy you know be your teacher work with business people do your research you know whatever it is you know you do in your life you know be a father be a mother but your transformation is actually the most important resource for everybody around you and for these practices to have their maximum impact we have to be willing to go through the transformation ourselves and i invite you into the full range of what's being offered and what's possible and uh it would be wonderful to know you in that way over the next uh, many years To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org.
Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion. <laughs>